We've had such good preaching and teaching. I mean, it has been amazing. Amazing. Everybody, when everybody comes, every one of you who has come up and you have shared the, the, the word of God, it, it made me feel like a preacher friend of mine years ago. Uh, one of my mentors is Pastor Earl Jackson. He said when A. Lewis Patterson preached, it made him wonder if he was called. <laughs> and, and so that's how it was with all of you. When I hear you, I go, wow, Lord, why me? And I don't say that to be cute. I'm serious. I say, why me? Because what I, I try to do is only what Jesus gives me to do. Now, this is not a disclaimer. It's just the who I am and the way I am. And I thought, I just want to talk to folks today. And I, whenever I stand up here, I don't want to impress anyone. I just want to say whatever Jesus gives me to say. We were talking about him and he being our treasure, how much I love him. I love him, and um, I'm, I don't think it's a competition at all. I just don't want any of you or even all of you together to love him more than me. That's the way I am. That's how I feel. I, I feel like I don't want anybody to love Jesus more than me. Jesus is everything to me. And I want him to be everything to you. Jesus deserves our very best, not our leftovers. And if we could love him without him, we don't love him enough. I was a young man in the oil business. And one night, the Lord spoke to me. I was in my quarters on the location. And he said to me, I want your veto power. Had, having studied politics and wanting to be a part of that, I wanted that to be a part of my life. And by the way, I'm so grateful that it's not. I, I wanted to do that for a living and a career. And, he, and when he asked that night, this is what I said, and this is why my answers were such on the panel today. I said, oh, no, Lord, I can't do that because I know if I can't veto, if I can't say I will do this or I'll do that, he might ask something of me that I'm unwilling to give, and that's how I felt. I didn't know that was a terrible, terrible thing to say. I didn't. I was in my state of maturation, uh, and I, I said, oh, Lord, I can't do that because if I can't say vetoed, now is there something else up there, God, you want me to do? And the Lord spoke immediately, and he said to me, the reason you won't do that or say you can't do that is you neither love nor trust me enough. My heart broke that night. I think I would have died, literally, not, no exaggeration. I think I would have died that night, except he immediately put me to sleep. And something happened in my sleep that night, and I, when I woke, I said, Lord, you have my veto. I will never, ever say no to you again. I've had doubts, but no is not an answer that we have to give to God. 
Christ is our treasure. And that means he is the most valuable person in our lives. But if I may say he is the most valuable thing, if I may use him like that, in our lives as well. There is nothing that we should have, we should desire, greater than Christ. If we desire anything more than Christ, we are unworthy of Christ. He is not to be put in a secondary position, a tertiary position. But he is first or he is no place in our life. That's how radical I am concerning him. And I want everybody to be radical like that toward Jesus or fanatical, as some would say. But the kind of love that says, I will do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. My life is inconsequential. And that's how we should live. That's how worthy he is of everything we have, we do. When we think of Jesus, we must not think of him only in terms of time and space, which or limited, but in time, in terms of eternity. When we think of Jesus, we must think of him in terms that speak of eternity because the scripture says he is from everlasting to everlasting. And so this being who we call the lowly Jesus and sing our sweet songs is uncreated. He is from eternity to eternity, he is from everlasting to everlasting. Actually, the psalmist is so amazing in Psalm 90. The psalmist uh, is actually Psalm 91 and 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. This one that we're talking about has been the dwelling place of people of faith in all generations. Can you imagine that? He came in time and space 2,000 years ago, but he was the dwelling place of the first man. He's been here all the time, watching over us, loving us, carrying us through our craziness, as it were. And then the psalmist says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. And so I thought, let me title this Christ our endless treasure. Christ is our endless treasure. A treasure is something that you and I value. It's our wealth. If some, some of you call your 401k your treasure, some of you may call your husband or your wife your treasure, maybe your house and all of your your bank accounts, your, your wealth, or your treasure. But there is nothing I own, nothing I have that's greater than Jesus, my treasure. And so I ask, how do we do it? How do we at, in TFI do this? How do we do this, brothers and sisters from around the world? How do we, how do we affect change in the world? How is that going to happen? Is it going to happen because... 
we have great zeal for God, it's going to happen because somehow we have greater acumen than others. I don't think so. Because a lot of believers, and I'm not ever mocking, I think that we do believe in Jesus because we're growing in the Lord, but a lot of believers have many things they treasure. Yeah, they treasure, they, they treasure things. I hear it all the time. Um, we have, we've grown up being told, having been told things that we should treasure, and those are worthy things that we ought to place some value on. But nothing should be equal to Christ. Amen. Nothing in our lives. I don't want my wife to love me more than she loves Jesus. It, it would be a travesty to love me more than, as much or more, even as much, even close. It should not be. And so I, I think for believers around the world, we are in a transition, and I believe God is checking us. He is uh, dealing with our, our belief and our faith. He is causing us to, to make decisions that we should, we should readily make because we have many things that we treasure, and they're almost equal to him. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, just look at, at, at what you do, as it, as it were, with your time, your money. L look at what you do. How do you spend your money? How do you spend your time? See, there was a time when I could, I could watch as many movies as I want, but I still love Jesus. But now I see it as a waste of time. I used to watch the news all the time because I wanted to be informed. Now I watch just enough to be informed and read enough to be informed. Why? Because I want to spend that time with Jesus. Jesus is my treasure, my endless treasure, my treasure that's going to continue after, after this body is gone. So Matthew and Matthew 6, 21, Matthew, uh, here the scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart shall be wherever your treasure is. So wherever your treasure is, if you really have Jesus as your treasure, your behavior will change. When Jesus is your treasure, you, you won't be so difficult to get along with. When Jesus is truly your treasure, your heart will be there. And this is what God wants from all of us. In Colossians chapter 2, our, our thematic verse, uh, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. This is what he wanted for the church, to be encouraged, to be full of courage, to be courageous, and having their hearts knit together in love. It's so amazing, their hearts knit together. Because if I, my heart is knit with your heart, then my mind is going to conform also in a way that I'm not so difficult to deal with. And I'm not going in the direction and asking God a, a, an aberrant direction and asking God to bless it when it's not the direction that the Holy Spirit desires. And you and I are not going to. I know people say, we're not going to always think alike. I, I, I find that there's some elements of truth in that, but there are also some elements of error in that because there, there is a place that, that when your, your mind is governed by your heart, then you start to think alike. You, we may not have exactly the same word, but we're thinking alike. 
We may not be able to explain it quite right, but we're thinking alike. You and I can't be one if we just got a heart that we cannot see, but actions that are all contrary. It's all brought about by Jesus Christ, our endless treasure. So Paul is saying he wanted our hearts to be encouraged, being knit together in love, in love. So if I love you, I don't hurt you. I don't intentionally hurt you. And if somebody unintentionally hurts you, then don't say they intentionally hurt you. You're being contrary in the mind. But this is what he says, attaining to all, or did he say some? What did he say? Oh, attaining to all riches, all riches, all wealth of the full assurance of understanding. And so he wants to bring us to the church, to a place of understanding so that we are on the same page. We're walking together. We're in lockstep with each other. That's what he wants. Full assurance of understanding. Now he, he is going somewhere to the knowledge, to the knowledge of the mystery of God. He wants us to have uh, the knowledge of the mystery of God. He wants us to know God. He doesn't want God, to, as it were, to be a mystery. He wants to reveal God to us. And so he allows all of the difficulties of life that he might reveal God to us. God wants to reveal himself to us. And this is what he is saying to us, both of the Father and of Christ. Both of the Father and of Christ. So I cannot know the Father if I don't know Christ. Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. And I, I think that all of us around the world, we, we must be more centered on Jesus than ever before. Not to impress people with our knowledge of Jesus. That's, a, that's a, an element of carnality that we need to get away with, uh, do away with, rather. And we need, we need to preach the gospel not for competition to see who can do it better than another, but just be whoever God has made us to be. That's what God wants for us. And then he says... Christ in whom are hidden all, we got all the riches of full assurance of understanding now, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so Paul is saying that you and I will never ever truly know what God wants from us until we really give ourselves to know Jesus Christ, because in Christ are hidden. Then that means when he says they are hidden, that means you're not going to casually just find them out. You can't just come to church and sit in a chair or a pew and know what is in this amazing treasure that you and I have been freely given by saying, I, re I believe, I repent. So we've given this immeasurable treasure. It's unfathomable treasure. I like the word unfathomable because it's a seafaring term that you sound to find the bottom. You take soundings to find the bottom. He says it's, it's, an un, it's unfathomable. The, there's no instrument in the, in the universe. There's no uh, acute intellect that can find the bottom. This is amazing. Endless treasure. Endless treasure. It's, it's too wonderful. It's too good. But... He says, it's hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so we, that means that you and I must search it out. So how then do, do we search it out? Do we search it out with our own private attitude and our own methodology? Or do we search it out by seeking? I say we search it out by seeking. You know, we seek 
somebody, we were talking a while back and I said something to the, to the church about being a diligent seeker because growing up in the home that we grew up in, we had to act right, we had to act safe. Uh, Reverend Roots, I don't know about you and, and yours, but you know, you, you were uh, dedicated to the Lord at 15. I was too, and I got, had to get rededicated at 17 and, and, and 18 and 19 and 20. And, 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 and I was really trying, I was really wanting God, but it seemed like the flesh was just too formidable. You know, I mean, it was generally the fire that I've told you about that was in my belly. That, oh, it was calm on the outside, but the fire was churning. Hot, and so it was usually attitudes or things like that. But we have to search these things out. We have to search them out, and we search them out. We search Jesus out. I had to find that Jesus kept forgiving me and loving me and caring for me, loving me and caring for me. And I loved him. I just didn't know how to express it when, when people were involved sometimes. All the treasures of wisdom. And knowledge, and this is not in my. I, I know other things come in, you know, mathematics or or philosophy or whatever those uh, those subjects are, you know, biology or zoology. Those things may, may come in, but I don't think that's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about just how to navigate this present life. Yes, that will come with it, but that's not the center of the treasure. It's the the, the wisdom of God. It is the knowledge of God that go far beyond human understanding and human intellect. This is what God is offering us. And we are still fighting over local lots. Local lots. I, I, I wanna, I'm gonna go somewhere with that because uh, you, know, you, you have to ask yourself the question, why, well, why does he go that way? Because it's a problem. And, and, and we uh, pastors, preachers, teachers, uh, and prophetic people, that's what the prophets were in the Old Testament. They told the truth uh, to the people, even when they didn't want to hear it, and even when it cost them their life. They kept telling the truth. They, they didn't measure which, which truth to tell. But the biggest thing, the, the biggest stumbling block in this present world is ourselves. And I've said to you about Mr. Putin, and I, I'm thinking about him, uh, threatening a sovereign nation and, and uh, putting puppet leaders in, in government. Uh, this is happening all around the world. But it also has come to America to roost. The chickens have come to roost here. But you can't say it in church or somebody gets up and storms out or shouts the preacher down. Shouts the, the, the person who is bringing a word from God down or rejects the person who's bringing a word from God down saying, I don't believe you. And so I think God, God called prophets. He called people who said, I was not a prophet. I was a herd of sheep. I took care of, of sycamore fruit. I, was, I didn't want to be one of those. I never wanted to be a, a pastor. I never. But God has to call us that we might search out this hidden treasure of wisdom and of knowledge. Jesus is our treasure. And even in our nation today, we can't tell the truth of God because somebody at church will be mad. That's not somebody who values this treasure. Jesus didn't come to make me a better American. Jesus came to make me a son of God. And if I'm a better American, thank you. But that is not my goal. 
I'm a good citizen because of, of America because I'm a good citizen of heaven first. And, and I, the last time I checked the Bible, uh, the, the heaven doesn't have a two-party system. Are you still with me? And in your nation, heaven doesn't have uh, communism or, or capitalism or socialism. They're not issues. We have a king. His name is Jesus. He's our king. And, and so let us, let, us, let us take a look at who we are. Let us, let, let's not talk about treasure and then devalue it by our conduct. We can do that. I take sides in none of these squabbles. It's taken me a while to get there. It's taken me a while to get there. God has patience with us. But when we see Jesus, everything else should be out of focus. And if I see Christ, then I'm going to be a, please, a God pleaser, a Christ pleaser. And that's what he wants. And that's how we are going to be effective in this present world. This world does not need better Americans, better Albanians, better Germans, better Surinamese. This world needs better people of God, people who are truly of God, people who love Jesus, people who value Jesus. You know, I, I talk from time to time about the uh, Israel because Israel is dear to me. Our father taught us to love Israel uh, and love the Jewish people. It's in me. But if I love you, I'll tell you the truth. I don't love you and let you be like you are, stay like you are. One of the biggest problems in marriage is that, is that you have husband and wife together. Somebody's telling the truth and somebody didn't want it. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's kind of like the biggest problem. And it's the big pro a big problem in the churches as well. Listen, let's tell the truth to each other. We are people of the truth. The Bible calls us the pillar and ground of the truth. Pillar and ground of the truth. And I'm sure some of you are asking, well, which, which one is telling the truth and the other doesn't want to accept it in the marriage? But Jesus is our treasure. He is our treasure. Our most valuable commodity, if, as it were, most valuable person Jesus is. I, I like in Luke uh, 12, 32, where he says, Fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, I am not per se so focused on the kingdom that I can't see the king or the domain that I can't see the king because it's kingdom. So the, the, the kingdom itself emanates from the king. It's all Jesus, Jesus Christ. He is the, the one and only indispensable in your life and in this universe. He is the embodiment of God, God in a body, God in a human body. He is the place where all holy aspirations begin and end. That's who Jesus is. Indispensable. He is the person of God's wealth, not, not just a a, a body that has all the good stuff inside. Amen. I thought I would, but, I, but maybe adjust my saying that my statement that he is God's repository of wealth. He is all of it. It's like if, if, if he is the case, the case is as important as all the attributes inside. Amen. Amen. So we must look at him like that. So Jesus Christ, he is the person of God's wealth. Can you imagine, can you imagine that someone who is 
I don't know, I, I guesstimate Jesus maybe from about 5, 7, 5, 8 to maybe 5, 9, or 10 in a, in a human body. And can you imagine out of that one is everything that made the universe, that out of him the universe has its existence. I mean, I want to know that man. Who is he? So I give him all of myself and all of my love, and you should too, without any reserve. Don't reserve. Don't say, well, I'm just going to save a little energy, a little love energy, just in case. No, I want it all on him. I want to give him everything. Mary, Mary, uh, the sister of Lazarus, had a good idea, and that's why Mary took a year's wages. You know, I don't know what you make, but maybe some of you make a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, would you take a hundred thousand uh, dollars of, of ointment and place it all over Jesus? Is Jesus more valuable than your 401k, your retirement fund? You know, is, is he really more important? If you had, if Jesus were to come to you to, to, to today in the spirit and said, I want you to cash it in and give it all to, would you say, loose your devil? I remember the first time, and I, and I, I won't be long here, but I remember when, I, when the Lord first whispered to me, uh, he wanted me to fast for 40 days and nights. I really seriously thought, I, I said, that's that devil. He's trying to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. You see, when God asks you questions that are against your inclinations, that's when you, I don't think that God would do that. Why, how, how is it? Why would God lead me against my, my feelings, my personal feelings? Yeah, he will. I, I'm, I'm proof of it. You, many of you are proof of that. So listen, listen. He is the person of God's will. All things of value to God are in him. All things of value. They are in Christ. They are of him. They are through him. And then, amazingly, they are to him. So all that we are doing is of him. It's through him. And then it's to him because one day he's going to come and get us. And all that he has done in us is going back to him. I want to be a finished product. I don't want, as Paul talks about, those who are um, saved but as through fire. So let us give him what he wants. Let's give God what he wants. Let's leave it all on the field, giving God what he wants. There are somebody in this. There, there are somebodies who have been holding back on the Lord. You know who you are. You go, well, I've given all I can. No, you've given all you wanted to, but did you give all you could? That's how we should be with God. Wow. It, you know, if we were to search or explore the riches of Christ, the riches that Christ himself is, eternity as we understand it, is not long enough. It's not deep enough. It's not wide enough. That sounds kind of, kind of strange, doesn't it? But eternity itself is too small. He is a never-ending, never-ending wealth. He created this universe that scientists tell us is, is without measure. No, it's in his hands. He is never-ending blessing of goodness, of faithfulness, of kindness. Jesus is never-ending blessings. Your goodness, kindness, faithfulness, 
generosity, peace. Can you imagine peace that never ends? Can you just, really, just think about it. That's who Jesus is, peace that never ends. Can you, if you could just imagine for a moment, just think about your own life and the times when you had difficulty and, and squabblings and irritating voices coming and coming, and that would cease. It was quiet and joy would come in in the midst of that peace and express itself forever and ever and ever and ever. That's who Jesus is. He is never-ending patience and hope and gentleness, self-control, grace and love and love. Do you know what it's like to be loved? Can you just remember that somebody who loved you and just loved you and you loved them and, and that in that moment it was as though everything else stood still and you just loved said, that's what Jesus promises forever and ever and ever. So is he worth that? Is he worth a few days, weary days here? Can we just give him what he wants? I'm not speaking subjectively in the sense that I will decide what it is. No, let God decide and give that to you. And then you just give him what he wants. He wants your life. He wants you to spend your life on him rather than on your own pursuits. That's what he wants. And when I realized that, I said, I'm going to give it to him. Sometimes I've, a lot of times I've asked in my time with the Lord, am I unfair to my wife? It's unfair that she should be married to me. Do you love Jesus so much that there's no comparison? I believe that love will change the world. I'm not saying every single person will be saved, but every single person who would be saved would be saved. That would change the world. That would change nations. This is what God is requiring and what he's asking. You want to give? We would, we all, God, you, you, you're having another trip? Let me, let me give, let me give. But will you give your life? This is what God is asking. See, he gave his life. What are you going to give him back? Let me rush to a close. Jesus is the genesis of all these attributes that I've listed. The scripture tells us he is the alpha and the omega. It's like he's from A to Z. He's the beginning and the end. He is the amen. He is the faithful and the true witness. 
the beginning of the creation of God, which means that he reigns over all creation. He's worth it. He is the image of the invisible God. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Created through him and for him. Created through him and for him. You were created for him. You were created for him. How are you living your life? I had a dog once, a beautiful German shepherd. I was feeding him one day, and he bit my thumb. I fed him. I bathed him. I did everything for him, but he bit my thumb. And I thought, we're going to have a little child here soon. And I don't want this dog around my child. Because what if he hurt my child? Destroying him would be too late. I'm going to get rid of him now. Since you and I are made for God, why is it taking us so long to be trustable? Let's give ourselves to God. And let's do it with joy. Let's know what it means to do it with joy. And experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. That we are giving God ourselves because we were made for him. We were made for him. Let's do that. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless this audience, and I'm grateful that you allowed me to share today. And I thank you for all of the fruit of the Spirit that is in us, that is a reflection of Christ. We just ask, I ask that everybody who heard me today would just remember the lyrics from that old song, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect come from you. You're the heart of my contentment, hope for all I do. You're the center of my joy. I pray that we would be able, after we leave here, when we take inventory, to say all of my life, you've been faithful. All of my life, you've been so good. I pray that that would be our testimony. And then we would say, I'm going to give him everything I've got. I was made for him. <laughs>